Welcome everyone and you're listening to Punchline, the show that brings you poetry and perspective for the young and the young at heart. I am your host, Hannah Flores, the poet. Now let's get started. Welcome back to another great episode of Punchline. Thank you so much for tuning in yet again today. And we are still celebrating Latinx Heritage Month on the show. So in today's episode, I actually am going to be changing things up. I have a story time for you guys. It was 2016, so lunch conversation would frequently turn to the presidential race in the United States. One friendly bartender would often join in. Her name was Sandy. Everyone just loved Sandy. She had a great kindness and presence to her. The 26-year-old Bronx native would talk about her time interning in Senator Ted Kennedy's office in college. Sandy started volunteering for Senator Bernie Sanders' campaign as well. Then, the current president of the United States was elected. Soon after, the bartender and political organizers were raising some money and road-tripped out to North Dakota, where Native Americans were leading protests against the Dakota Access Oil Pipeline. When she got back, she had a new idea. She might run for office. They created a campaign poster inspired by the United Farm Workers of the 1960s. It could have been easily mistaken for a Netflix show ad. In blaring blue and yellow block type alongside an image of Sandy, it read Ocasio in big letters. Sandy, now better known as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, was running for the U.S. House of Representatives. 18 months later, she became the youngest woman to be elected into Congress. Along the way, she beat a popular and powerful 20-year incumbent in her own party. And she's proved to be the most disruptive new Democrat in decades, striking fear on both sides of the spectrum. This is the story of how her climb began, where it's going next, and how it's inspired a whole new demographic of young people like me and like all of you listening at home right now. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez took a breath and ascended the stage. It was January 17th, 2011, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and Ocasio-Cortez was about to speak to her fellow Boston University students. On stage, the Dean of Students, Kenneth Elmore, asked her, quote, Can this be the generation that's great, Sandy? End quote. It was a question inspired by MLK Jr. She said, quote, Let's see. So she pushed alongside her long bangs at the time behind her ear, and then she began her speech, delivering it with a preacher's cadence and an activist's confidence. She said, quote, Greatness has never been a result of circumstance or fortune. It is not an inherited trait or a function of destiny. Greatness is reserved for the combatants of the status quo, end quote. Ocasio-Cortez had natural confidence when speaking to crowds. When she traveled to Africa for a junior year semester abroad, she didn't know any French, and she was in an African country that predominantly spoke French. At the end of the four months, she delivered a speech in French to the entire faculty. Now that's pretty impressive. 
Most Friday afternoons on campus, she helped lead student discussions called Coffee and Conversations. She'd listen to her peers debate the meaning of love and the Affordable Care Act, and she'd conclude the two hours with her own thoughts and opinions. Now, she didn't play it safe. Quote, It was always a little bit edgy. She wasn't afraid to take us to the next level. End quote, said one of her Boston University classmates. Ocasio-Cortez also led Boston University's Alianza Latina and held meetings with college students across the city to discuss student debt and economic inequality. Yet she didn't think of herself as an activist. She said, quote, I didn't understand why people called me an activist. I felt like I was just saying things that were very common sense. I would just say, hey, kids in the Bronx should have a good education, and they'd be like, oh, she's an activist. Now this quote that she said is so true for many people, and even myself sometimes. Why is it when I say these things, I'm an activist, but when another person says these things, they're just a responsible parent or auntie or whatever they are? Maybe people said it because they were inspired. When it came to Ocasio-Cortez, sometimes her friends even joked about her aspirations, chanting, quote-unquote, Sandy for president. Unfortunately, Ocasio-Cortez's father died of lung cancer when she was a sophomore in college. He was 48. Her Puerto Rican mother cleaned houses to support her and her brother, but the money wasn't enough, and she had to fight off foreclosure. After Ocasio-Cortez graduated from college, she wanted to help, so she moved home to the Bronx and supplemented her nonprofit jobs by waiting tables and mixing drinks at night. She made the most of the service industry work, befriending customers and building a support network of colleagues. She said, quote, I got really, really, really good at listening to people, and I got really good at understanding people's needs beyond just food and drink. But she also had to grow a quote-unquote really thick skin to deal with rude customers and harassment, which is often something that people in the service industry have to deal with on a daily basis. Soon after election day in 2016, Ocasio-Cortez's younger brother, Gabriel, sent her name to brand new Congress, a Bernie Sanders-inspired group recruiting candidates for the House and Senate. When she got home from her North Dakota trip, a leader of the BNC called her out of the blue and asked her, will you run for U.S. Congress in New York's 14th district? Justice Democrats, another Sanders-inspired group, gave Ocasio-Cortez media and policy training. Volunteers led an aggressive canvassing operation as well. Then, a pair of around 20 filmmakers from Detroit produced a polished, low-budget ad that framed Ocasio-Cortez as a courageous working-class underdog. The two-minute spot went viral everywhere. Donations jumped, hundreds of new volunteers turned out to the field offices, and Vogue even published a glowing profile of her on the cover. The ad's central message was, economic inequality is the issue of our time. The video caught the attention of another young woman of color running in 
an insurgent Democrat primary bid, Ayanna Presley. She remembers watching it several times in a row. She said, quote, I was struck by her rawness, her conviction, and she'll hate me for saying this, but also her beauty, end quote, said Presley, now Massachusetts' first black congresswoman. On June 26th of last year, Ocasio-Cortez shocked the American political world. The difference was just over 4,000 voters in the Bronx and Queens. In a deep blue district, she was virtually assured a seat in the 116th Congress. Hillary Clinton and Valerie Jarrett and even Nancy Pelosi called her. About a thousand different media outlets requested interviews over the next three days after that happened. After tweeting about her preferred lipstick shade, which actually I found the tweet, is Styla Stay All Day Liquid in Beso. It sold out within 24 hours of her tweeting that. In a political moment that rewards celebrity, she's already more famous than most other members of Congress and many likely 2020 presidential contenders. Ocasio-Cortez credits social media with powering her rise. Since the first days of her campaign, she's used it to develop a relationship with her followers, sharpen her message, and control the media narrative of her campaign, who she is, and what she stands for, which is a very important thing to command and try to take the reins on because social media, everyone has access to it, and your reputation can fluctuate in so many different ways. So I definitely commend her for that. When she launched her bid in May of 2017, she had fewer than 300 Twitter followers. Her Facebook live streams got a few dozen likes. That's it. But by primary day, she'd grown her Twitter following to 60,000, more than many sitting house members today. She said, quote, it was literally just through tweeting and getting that feedback and learning through commentary and testing messages. Because every time you tweet something, how it performs is basically like an A-B test, end quote. She uses social media like a lifestyle blogger or a celebrity influencer. She talks just like a normal person. She details the challenges and gives advice to real people asking real questions. Thousands of people tune in to watch her talk politics and make Instant Pot mac and cheese on Instagram Live. She's willing to let people see her fears and she's willing to let people see her hesitancies. And she's willing to let people see a process that normally is shadowed. Ocasio-Cortez has always written her own tweets. It's funny because most people with a large public following hire publicists or social media managers to do these things for them, and I'm sure she does have a publicist in order to manage all of her interviews, but I commend her for wanting to be upfront and as authentic as possible with her supporters and really get on as personal a level as she can while still maintaining a great level of professionalism. And as many have pointed out, She's skilled at creating viral moments, often when clapping back at her critics. Ocasio-Cortez was just 11 when the Twin Towers came down and 18 when the Great Recession struck. She watched President Barack Obama bail out the banks. Occupy Wall Street failed to extract concrete wins, 
and college debt soar. That series of events, she said, has defined her generation and partly defined her as well in her running for Congress and in her experience with politics. She said, quote, our whole adolescence was shaped by war, was shaped by the increased erosion of our civil liberties and privacy rights, and then was shaped as soon as we got into college by a ground-shaking recession that has haunted our economic outcomes ever since. We have never seen an America where the fruits of labor have actually been good for an entire generation of millennials." End quote. Dynamic, innovative, and determined are just a few words that I could use to describe who Senator Ocasio-Cortez is. And while she is more popularly known as the AOC, I think she's an amazing person and definitely somebody that we need to watch um, in the election as it progresses, even though she's not a presidential candidate. It's important that we look to the senators and the people who are under the president or the top level as well, because they also have power in decision making and they have great influence. And I think it's great that she's utilizing social media and the internet to really reach out to the younger generation because we're all on our phones all the time. I know you're on your phone right now probably so it's pretty likely that the next generation is going to look more into social media to get resources and to get information. In fact a lot of young voters are being encouraged to vote because they've seen so much social media presence on their timeline that's encouraging them to vote from celebrities or from AOC or from other young politicians who are really taking advantage of what social media and the internet has to offer because they know that's where the young voters are. And it's important that not only do we look to social media to get our information, she doesn't only do social media campaigns, she does in-person work, she does television, she does all kinds of media outlets, papers, magazines, everything you can name. She's really getting the most out of what her campaign can possibly do, maximizing her success. And it's important that we maximize our ability to absorb information from credible sources and not just rely on an Instagram post, a thread, or a live stream for our opinion forming information because we need to have a well-rounded perspective in order to make the best decisions for ourselves for each other and for the betterment of your respective region or your respective country i'm canadian so american politics do not directly affect me but they're right next door. So it's important that we all pay attention to what's going on in our world and we become more aware. And with that, thank you so much for tuning in to another great episode. Looks like you beat me to the punchline. I'm your host, Hannah Flores, the poet. And thank you so much for listening. This podcast is available on 10 different streaming platforms in 11 different countries. And I'm really excited to see where this podcast goes. It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, all kinds of different ones. So no excuses. You can find the episodes everywhere. And thank you to Anchor for allowing me to 
have the support to build this platform and continue streaming it to everyone who's listening. And with that, I hope you have an amazing day. Happy Latinx Heritage Month. And make sure you are aware of the heroes that you have in your community and that you're supportive because our local leaders and community leaders will become the leaders of tomorrow.